What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have special guest Jessica Ty on the line today. We're going to dive into all things health and wellness and, you know, everything involved with raising five kids and keto. It's just going to be, it's going to be good. I'm excited about this. Without further ado, how are you, Jessica? I'm great. Robert, how are you doing? I am I am wonderful, wonderful. Can you give the the listeners a little bio on you? I met you at the low carb cruise, and I'd I'd love to hear a bio myself. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess. Um, basically, like you said, I am a, a mom of five kiddos. Um, my husband and I have been married for it'll be twenty two years uh, this year. Uh, here in just a couple months, and um, I live here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, man, um just kind of got over the last, um, I guess maybe last five years or so really kind of into the health and, and wellness space, um, went back to school to get educated, um, formally in health and wellness and, um, came out with a nutritional therapy practitioner certification. So that is what I do. Um, have been health coaching for a couple of years now, but um, wanted to kind of step it up and be able to offer clients something a little more in depth and um, I guess more kind of health related and help them kind of get to the bottom of, of things that are going on with them. So, um, so wanted that certification to be able to do the things that I can do through there with uh, functional evaluations and lingual neuro testing, that type of thing. And um, over the last uh, year and a half, I have started doing uh, more public speaking and doing classes generally more than just kind of speaking. I uh, kind of my wheelhouse and what I really enjoy doing and uncomfortable doing is uh, classes. So I do kind of little educational seminars. Um, I travel around the country doing those and uh, mostly corporate settings. So I'll just go in and mm -hmm. kind of teach um, a, you know, a group of people in a, in different corporations, different offices around, um, just about kind of the basics of nutrition and just health and wellness. And it's generally geared toward, um, you know, boosting brain health and, um, you know, cognition and just helping people, um, be on the top of their game in whatever field they're in, whatever their career is that they do, trying to be, you know, kind of the best of the best out there for them. So I've um, been doing a lot of that and I really enjoy that. I like teaching. That's um, fun for me. I'm, I don't so much love public speaking at all. <laughs> I, I don't like being up in front of a crowd and, uh, and, having anyone think that I'm necessarily uh, the authority on anything. So I really prefer to just teach because um, I like how people can interact with me and ask questions. And, um, you know, I feel like we're discovering things together and, and it's, uh, you know, not, not anything that I came up with on my own. I'm just helping them to understand the way things work in the body and, and stuff like that. So, so that's kind of a nutshell. That's what I do. And that's who I am. There's, there's a lot of places I want to dive into here with, with that. Um, with regard to like the corporate setting, when I, when I was with the railroad, they had a, like a nutritional therapist come in and, you know, give a, give a speech kind of on what nutrition and health is and, you know, how to minimize any unhealthy eating habits, et cetera, et cetera. Is that mm -hmm. mandated by certain corporations or is that kind of something that they do because they, they want to? Like how, how does that process look from a corporate sector? 
I think mo- as far as from what I've been involved in anyway, I think that most of it is just uh, the court, you know, the corporate corporation driven. I don't think it's necessarily mandated, but most of the, especially larger corporations, they have a budget set aside for that, for training for their, um, for their employees. Uh, a lot of times it's, it may only involve kind of the higher ups in a corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally there's a budget that's kind of set aside for that. Um, a lot, especially in today's world, I think a lot of these corporations are realizing that there is a lot to be said for the product, you know, the productivity of their employees based on their health and their nutritional status. And, um, and it's also, you know, it cuts back big time on the sick days that they're paying and, and stuff like that. So, um, I think that there's really been a kind of a move that direction where corporations are realizing that. So I don't really think it's, and there may be some that it's mandated in, or maybe there's different States that there's different, you know, laws. I'm, I'm not really sure, but for the most part, uh, what I've been involved in is, is more or less just business owners and corporations that are realizing the importance of it. And they, and they realize that, um, you know, the more, you know, is important and people just don't know what they don't know. So they're trying to help educate people so they can start making those changes. Cause most people, you know, they want to be good at their job. They want to be productive. They want to be, um, you know, they, especially if you're in that kind of corporate setting, you're probably on a, you know, on a track, uh, you're wanting to climb that corporate ladder, so to speak. And, and so you want every edge that you can get. And I speak to a lot of groups, um, the, a lot of self-employed people, uh, a lot of them. And my husband is, we actually have a, we own a real estate company. Um, and that is what, you know, I started in real estate um, 12, 15 years ago, somewhere in that range, and actually helped my husband start our company. And so a lot of, uh, groups that I speak to are entrepreneurs like real estate agents that they can't fall back on, you know, somebody else. Um, you know, they're, they're responsible for themselves. And so they realize they need to keep themselves healthy. They need to stay on the top of their game. They need to, they can't be dragging out of bed in the morning. You know, they need to be able to get up. They need to feel refreshed. They need to be able to, to get going early bird gets the worm, so to speak. So (laughs) when you're teaching on these like nutritional classes, are you advocating or kind of educating on a, on a low carb approach or are you following more of like the general base guidelines? Um, yeah, I definitely, um, advocate low carb. And, um, so basically what I do is kind of in a nutshell is I, I try to teach people macronutrients and micronutrients and just on a very basic level, like what that even is, what that means, why they should care. And, um, and, kind of what my uh, belief is uh, based on my education and my research, my knowledge um, about the human body and how it uses nutrition, um, just kind of how I think that should look like, and and it is low carb and generally uh, much higher fat than most people have ever even thought they should be eating. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, you get some raised eyebrows and you get some like, huh. And I definitely have been challenged, um, in some of these seminars. There's, you know, there's always a couple of wise guys in the crowd that, um, that have read something or heard something somewhere. And, uh, 
you know, like to try to, to challenge that. So, so it's kind of, it's fun to be able to, um, kind of address those concerns that people have and help them understand, you know, why those may not be, uh, true concerns that they need to have and, and kind of the things they need to be focused on. And then I do spend some time on stress management and sleep because, you know, you can have the best nutrition on the planet. And if you do not have your stress and your sleep under control, good luck. You know, it's, it's going to all be for naught. So we definitely talk about that as well. You know, it, in us, like with us being in like the keto space, especially we're pretty wised up to, you know, the, these definitions, macronutrients, micronutrients, and just kind of what all this stuff means. When you go mm -hmm. into a, a corporate sector where that is definitely not, you know, on the forefront of their minds is, I mean, what is, what have you noticed with just the population in general? Are they, are they starting to become more educated or are they still pretty in the dark? You know, that's such an interesting question, Robert, because when I go into this, um, I think I kind of, it's really interesting because I, I think every time I do this, I'm going to get like, you think, I guess I'm a slow learner. Like, I don't know how else to put it, but I'll go in and I always have the same expectations for whatever reason. I, I it's like, I think everybody is in the same space I'm in and is in the, you know, understands things and which I understand, which I get, like, if that was the case, then I would not have a job and this would not be something I was doing. But, but, but I guess because we live so immersed in this world and, you know, we are surrounded by people that, you know, are doing podcasts like this one. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm certainly listening to podcasts like yours and all these other um, health and wellness experts in the space. I mean, my, anytime I have any time in the, in the car I'm driving or, um, anything like that, you know, I'm listening, I'm filling my head with as much information as I can get. I'm trying to stay on the cutting edge of all this stuff. And so I guess I kind of live in that space where I think, well, everybody else is like that too. Like, I mean, everybody cares about their body and living a long time and being healthy and, and, you know, being at the optimal level of performance for themselves. And like, I just think that that's the way it is, I guess, because that's where my mindset is. But every time I go into these seminars, I am uh, brought back to reality very quickly. And I think the answer to that question is that most people really are out of touch. They, I think the awareness is there that it's important and they need to know more, which is why I, I mean, I get huge turnouts to these seminars. Most of them are not uh, mandatory for, uh, for these places. They'll, they'll, you know, give employees the option to go or not go. Um, but generally the classes are, are full, you know, they're packed out because I think people, they do think about it and they do know it's important, but the actual amount of knowledge that people have is very little. They, and, and it's, it's humbling because you, you know, I don't know about you, but just being in the space, you know, I often, like I said, I think that people know more than they do and it kind of helps me to stay engaged and feel like, yes, this is what I need to be doing. I need to be helping to educate people because they, they just don't know what they don't know and they want to know, but there's so much bad information out there. And it's very confusing for, you know, the average person that does not have, you know, some kind of background in health or wellness or nutrition. It's very confusing and it's, it can be overwhelming. I mean, it can be overwhelming for me at times, you know, trying to sift oh, yeah. through everything, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, well, I thought I knew that. Gosh, maybe I did it. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting, like in the, in the keto space specifically, 
there's just so much knowledge out there and to the point almost where it's just process analysis. You don't know where to turn or, or who's right or who's wrong, but you, you get this vibe that there's just like, everybody knows something and you think, oh my gosh, it's oversaturated. Like what impact can I make? But then you step mm-hmm. outside of that keto community and you know, you, you touch the, 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 the bigger picture, the whole, and it is really amazing how, how little the masses know about nutrition and that kind of reinvigorates you and, and lets you know that you're on the right path. There's a huge impact you can make because I don't remember what the stats are, but it's something like, you know, only 4% of the population has a clue what keto is. But I mean, you would never guess that number if you were actually in the day-to-day keto space. I mean, you would assume like, oh, well, 99% of people know what keto is, but it's not near, near, that, near that known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is kind of shocking to me. And like you said, I think we just, because this is our world, we think that that everybody has knowledge about it. But yeah, most of the time when I go to these um, seminars, <clears throat> no one says like, oh, oh, you're talking about keto, low, you know, low carb, high fat. I've had it happen maybe once or twice out of probably I would, if I give 20 seminars, probably one or two of them, somebody will be like, well, what about keto? I mean, they just don't, people just don't know. No, I think, I think what you're doing is, is hugely impactful. I mean, there are, there are a lot of keto, keto speakers and influencers, but I don't see many of them, you know, breaching into the the corporate sector and making an impact there with people that just aren't in our space and, and won't really be, you know, impacted by it unless somebody like you goes out there to them. So hats off to you for doing so. Thanks. Yeah, I I really do. <clears throat> it's um near and dear to my heart, you know, my husband and I, I mean, like most people, you know, we have both worked corporate jobs and um, you know, and I I know that these most of these people and then we're entrepreneurs ourselves, you know, both of us now have been for, you know, 20 years, but we you know, we we see these people, we know like who they are. I mean, these are just hardworking people. They've got families at home. They're doing the best they can and they're just trying to figure it all out. And if, if I can help make that easier for them or help make that better for them by giving them this education on how to treat their bodies well and do the best they can, because oftentimes, especially in a corporate setting, well, I mean, really in an entrepreneurial setting too, I mean, we can be workaholics and we're just, you know, we're foregoing everything else and just focused on getting as much done as we can get done and just trying to squeeze every last minute out of the day. And if I can help give them some tips on, you know, here's how you can help mitigate the stress. Here's how you can help get the best sleep you can get. Here's how you can move to help, uh, you know, service your body the best you can. Here is how you can fuel it with the best nutrition possible. Um, you know, then I think that's super important. And hopefully is uh, that knowledge will be passed down to their kids and, and we can start to kind of turn this train around a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a question for you. With mm-hmm. regard to, to movement, you know, I mean, I spend the, the bulk of my day sitting in front of a computer, you know, mm-hmm. nonstop. I've got my, my gym session, which is, you know, sacred to me, but what do you recommend to employees in the corporate setting or entrepreneurial setting that spend the bulk of their time in the computer? What's the most efficient way to minimize any, you know, long-term chronic, you know, skeletal issues or just fatigue mm-hmm. in general from constantly being in that position? 
Yeah. So I think that movement is very underrated and super important, especially like you said, for those of us like you and me and and many of us really in today's day and age that we are sitting for the bulk of our day, most of us staring at a computer and doing work on there. Um, so I think then, and it, I think it's definitely looking at it as movement. Um, you know, no issue with someone who wants to go to the gym. That's great. That can be a super helpful stress reliever for a lot of people. Um, it can be really good for many other reasons. Great for muscle building. There's, there's a million different reasons that it can be good to go to the gym, depending on what you're doing in the gym, you know, whatever. That's great. That's fine. But I, I definitely, um, have to help educate people that going to the gym for half an hour, one hour, two hours, whatever it is of your day or every other day or a few days a week is not going to cut it. Like that's not, that's not sufficient. Like we can't sit for 23 hours a day and work out for one hour a day and think that that is going to cut it. So what I think the most, um, just based on research and, you know, other people's research, um, and kind of combing through all of that, um, is making sure that you're getting up and you're moving throughout your day and it doesn't have to be a big deal. So typically what I would recommend to someone that, that is sitting in front of their computer, maybe they're working in a corporate setting, an office setting would be to get up once an hour and just walk for five to 10 minutes. Um, most people can, and it can be hard to do <clears throat> because you can be in the middle of you're working on a project, you're trying to get something done. And trust me, I mean, I'm, that's who I am. I'll sit there and I just want to crank it out. I just want to get it done. Don't interrupt me. Don't bother me until I get it done. Um, you know, I kind of get one track minded when I'm working on something, but I think it's super important. And I will tell people, set this, set the timer on your iPhone, your watch, whatever you have, set a timer once an hour, get up. Most office buildings have a set of stairs, just go walk or run the stairs, just go up and down them once or twice, then go back to your desk and sit down. If you don't want to do that, or you can't do that, or that feels weird, maybe you have an office or a cubicle that you could just do squats for, uh, you know, do 50 squats, do some lunges, do some sit-ups, do some push-ups. Just, it doesn't have to be um, this big deal. Um, but doing that, even if you do not go to the gym ever, if you just did that every single day that you're working, you just get up, move your body, that it can make a huge impact on your health, on the way your body feels, on, um, you were talking about joints and ligaments. I mean, that's huge for that. You just, just getting up and getting your body out of that position and moving, doing some stretching is huge, putting your arms up over your head or behind your back, interlocking your arms or your fingers, pulling your, your shoulders back. Cause we tend to sit like hunched over when we're on our computers, especially. So just doing things like that, I think can make a huge impact for people. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. What, what do you, what's your take on standing desks? Are you an advocate for those? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think that's fine. I, it, listen, I think any time that we're not sitting is great. Um, I mean, you're, it's more metabolically challenging to stand. I mean, even if you're just standing there, you are engaging muscles, um, you're engaging different parts of your body, just the, just to balance, just to stand like that. Um, actually my husband has a standing desk and a sitting desk in his office. So he moves back and forth between the two during the day. So, um, you know, if it's something that he feels like he needs to be sitting to do for whatever reason, he'll do that. And then he'll, um, stand for a great part of his day. He'll, you know, turn around, put the laptop on the other desk and then stand there. I think that's great. You know, that's, that sure beats sitting all day as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, no, I like that for sure. I, I try to mix it up a little bit and do some some standing because I tell you, just sitting all day long gets to gets to me on all levels. It just makes you more tired and unproductive. Oh yeah, I agree. Dive into nutritional therapy a little bit. What what is the official definition of that? Like, how does that differ from you know just just standard therapy and standard nutrition? Like, how does that tie in? It's kind of like a deeper meaning of it all, I guess. Yeah, well, if I had the actual definition, I would tell you, but I'm not. <laughs> Um, I'm not really sure that there is an official definition. I'm sure there is probably um, through the Nutritional Therapy Association. They probably have a um, an actual definition. But generally, it is just using food and the nutritional properties of food. And that includes, you know, the macronutrients, which of course are your protein, carbs, and fat, and all your micronutrients, which are, you know, your vitamins and minerals, um, and how all of those things affect your body, how your body uses them, um, how you can, you know, how different systems uh, use those different uh, different nutrition. So, you know, it's like, um, if you think about any type of therapy, you know, you think about how does that relate, you know, it's, it's, um, the process that is, you know, relating to your body or your mind and how you use that, how it can be used to improve, um, you know, your state, your well being, your state. And that's pretty much what nutritional therapy is. It's, um, I mean, I would say it's a more in depth look at nutrition and kind of your physiology than, say like, you know, like I, I would do nutritional coaching. So I knew enough about nutrition and kind of helping people through different things. Um, you know, if somebody comes to you with like SIBO and says, Hey, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I, there's so many things out there. I, I need help. Okay, fine. You know, we can work on that or, or candida or, um, you know, or they have joint issues or there's, you know, you can do things that you can, okay, I think this is what you should be doing. I think we should cut these things out or add these things in. But nutritional therapy kind of takes it to a whole new level of really getting into the minutia of here is exactly the things that I know will help you with these specific symptoms. And furthermore, based on a, on a person's specific bioindividuality, we can really dive into exactly what works th for them specifically through a process called LNT or lingual neurotesting. So as a nutritional therapist, we are trained for some hands-on work that they call functional evaluation, where there are different um, kind of reflex points on your body that that can be palpated or, um, you know, you can apply some pressure to. And uh, we can get some readings from a person to figure out kind of what systems are in trouble. And then we can do lingual neurotesting, which is where we will test um, different uh, vitamins, minerals, supplements, those types of things against those same points and see if we get uh, an improved reaction from that. So then that kind of lets us know exactly what the body is missing. Um, so it's a it's a really fascinating process, but it gets it gets pretty involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really want to dive into this. So so the the physical external palpitations, like you like apply a pressure point and then see how your body responds, or how does that work exactly? Yeah, kind of. Um, we the, your body has different um, kind of like different. It is kind of like pressure points, I guess. Um, there's different. I don't know the best way to describe it, but um, different reflex points is is essentially what it is. And you can kind of 
apply pressure or palpate those different areas and and kind of get a reading from a person on um, you know what they're feeling when you do that. There's also a different um, I don't know if testing is the right word, but there's there's different types of things you can do that aren't just palpations. You can also do um, there's balance tests and there's um, different types of uh, you know testing blood pressure and heart rate and um, pupil dilation and um, there's all types of things like that that are involved in lingual neurotesting um, and the functional evaluation itself that kind of gives us a baseline for where to go from there. And then from that information and observations, you can, you know, manipulate the nutritional, you know, intake of that individual to kind of fine tune things based off of what they're needing? That's exactly right. So, you know, we may um, test a certain point on your body that tells us that you have got issues with, um, um, let me think, uh, maybe you've got... um, you've got a problem with your uh, hydrochloric acid production. Um, it's telling us that your HCL, you've, there's, you've got a hot point there. So then we can test that against like supplementation for HCL. And that will tell us that, you know, if you, if, if that point, then the, the pressure that you felt there or the um, pain, I mean, sometimes it can flat out be pretty painful. Um, if you kind of feel that, um, pain level go down after trying a certain supplement like HCL, then that tells us that yes, you are you're needing HCL in your body, for instance. So it's it's really what it is is that every organ in our bodies has a it's either surrounded by a uh, like a blood vessel, a neurovascular, or a lymphatic. So we have lymph lymph system, the lymph system in our body, the lymph vessels. So if that organ becomes stressed for whatever reason that it is stressed, then that's what we are tapping into. Um, and in our our brain, when we tap into that, and if we give our, our body what it needs, and all you do is you just place the supplement on a person's tongue when you're doing this testing, our brain registers that it is getting what it needs, and then it will take that um, it'll take that reading that we got down because it really, because your brain is like, oh, okay, we've got this, we've got this nutrient that we need to support that organ that I'm having issues with. And so that's how people get like the lesser um, pressure. When we, when we apply pressure to that, they kind of get the, the lesser pain. And we know then that that is the nutrient that the body is missing, but it's, it's not, it's not one like you can't do the testing on someone and say, okay, well, this person, you could have two different people um, test out that they kind of have the same, you know, maybe they're having kind of uh, issue in the same area of their body and what, whatever organ system that might be. Um, we get that direct feedback from them. They could both have two completely different nutrient deficiencies that are causing that issue in their body. So you can't just get the reading on someone and then be like, oh, okay, that's going to be, um, you know, iron, you need iron or, oh, you need B12. That's, that's what that is. It's, it could be something completely different for each person. Do you notice any specific like pattern recognition or trends that, you know, group people of similar characteristics into somewhat of a general consensus? I mean, everybody's going to be individualized for sure, but like if, if you were to have, you know, a random 10 people that you're, you're testing. What what kind of things would you expect? I guess. Um, or is there well, any? 
Yeah, there is. I mean, pretty much uh, most of my clients um, that have that come to me for lingual neurotesting and and not, you know, I see a lot of clients um, virtually, so they're not in front of me, so I can't perform this part of the you know nutritional therapy with them, unfortunately. But for the ones that I do get to see in front of me, I would say across the board, um, I have not met one yet that did not have issues with digestion. So somewhere along uh, their digestion, their digestive tract, there is an organ that is suffering digestively. Um, very common to have uh, HCL production issues. I mean, that is like uh, epidemic, honestly. There's, I, I don't, I know very few people that I've ever tested that didn't have an HCL issue. Um, and that for anyone listening, that is just your hydrochloric acid. It's the acid that your stomach produces to break down food. Um, specifically protein. So if you are not, if you don't have a good supply of HCL, um, then you're not breaking down protein well, and that causes all kinds of issues um, as it travels on down the intestinal tract, um, starting with your stomach as it will sit in your stomach and basically rot or ferment um, for a long time. So, um, you know, kind of the, the motility of your gut is definitely slowed down with that. So that is a, that's a huge one. And, and that can be stemming from many, many different things. I mean, that can be stress related. That can be someone that just has, um, you know, low, they're low on specific vitamins that they need or minerals, um, that play into that. Um, that can be someone that, uh, that is just not taking the time to sit down and chew their food properly. And I mean, it can seriously be that simple that they're just not, you know, they're not taking the time to sit down and eat and allow their body to properly digest. They're not allowing the HCL production to begin the way it should and, and get everything moving. Um, so that's a big one. I also see a lot of people with liver gallbladder issues. That's huge today. Um, so, and specifically in that area, it's generally having a low bile production. So they're just not able to emulsify their fats which is a big problem when you have, uh, when you're trying to go keto. So, um, you know, I, a lot of people come to me specifically for coaching with, you know, a ketogenic diet. They want to kind of follow that lifestyle and they, you know, like we were talking about before, there's so much information out there. So they get information and they're like, man, I just don't know what the right thing is. I hear this person say this, and then this person says that, and then I'm totally confused. And now I don't know what to do. And, um, so a lot of, I do have a lot of people that'll come to me specifically for keto coaching. And, um, we don't really get into a lot of the lingual neurotesting and, and into all of that stuff, but that is definitely one of the things that, that I kind of warn people about up front, and we talk a lot about um, in some of the ways that they can, you know, see if if they've got good bile production without me testing them, because it it is super important. Um, bile is what breaks down the fat, and if you're not breaking down the fat, it can lead to all kinds of problems, including congestion in your liver. So, um, you know, it can lead to loose stools and and all kinds of uh, bloating and and just in general digestive upset. So those are kind of uh, definitely big ones. I would say um, there's definitely a rise in adrenal and thyroid health for sure. So we find a lot, a lot of people that are struggling, uh, have a struggling adrenals. So that's definitely one that I see a lot. So on, on those three big pillars, I guess. So with, like with the hydrochloric acid, um, a lot of people assume that if they have a lot of 
you know, acid reflux or indigestion that they have too much acid, but it might be just the opposite. They don't have enough hydrochloric acid, correct? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So in general, kind of the way, well, it's, it's kind of, it's frustrating. It's disheartening. And we've actually, we've had this happen twice in our family and it's, it's frustrating to me because now that I know, I I feel so bad that we went through this. But both my husband and my oldest son um, suffered from acid reflux. And my husband actually had a hiatal hernia. So, um, and I won't go into all of that, but people can, can look that up. That's an extremely painful condition um, and related to your digestion. And he... Um, was having the acid reflux and of course went to the doctor and um, actually ended up in the emergency room one time because of the hiatal hernia. Um, We didn't know that's what it was at the time. And the doctors, um, before he was diagnosed with the hiatal hernia, they told him that he probably had ulcers. It sounded like he had um, stomach ulcers. And so he needed to um, you know, avoid these certain foods and have these certain foods. And then he needed to take um, like Tums and those type of products to help uh, calm his stomach down and, and all these types of things. So um, we went through all that. He ended up with the hiatal hernia. He was on um, Prilosec for um, uh, prescription level Prilosec for a while, which um, these are acid blocking drugs that um, actually prevent your stomach from making the amount of hydrochloric acid that it needs to be able to make. Um, they're called PPIs, and the, which is a proton pump inhibitor. And this causes a whole cascade of issues that we don't have time to get into on this show. But um, just rest assured to, you know, if you're listening to this, that almost no one Um, Of course, I'm not a doctor. You would need to consult your doctor, but almost no one needs a PPI. Um, It causes all kinds of issues, you know, beyond the slowing down the production of your hydrochloric acid. But what's frustrating is that doctors don't get this nutritional training and they they truly do not understand how the body works um, with nutrition. I mean, they really don't. They're training, and, and I'm not saying that to down doctors, but they certainly have extensive training um, uh, in regards to our bodies. And, you know, they went to school to learn all of this because they want to help people. Um, They're very, very smart individuals. They've put a lot of time and energy and money into learning how to help people. Um, But unfortunately, in this country, they are not taught preventative care. Um, They are basically taught sick care and how to prescribe drugs and what drugs interact with what other drugs and how to to balance the drugs that you are on to make sure they don't kill you. And um, that's, and their education and their education after they've become doctors comes from the drug companies. So they are very educated Mm -hmm. on the drugs and that is essentially what they do. So when you go in, like my husband did with these issues, they don't even understand that low production of hydrochloric acid is what causes heartburn and what is causing acid reflux and those types of things. They don't even understand that. You have to have a level of your stomach has to be extremely acidic in order to even begin the proper digestive process. Um, There's triggers along your digestive tract that trigger other things to happen, um, including the bile production. And if you do not have this 
um, acidic environment in your stomach, those things won't even happen downstream. But furthermore, the, the reason a lot of people get reflux is if you have low hydrochloric acid, your, um, you have like a flap in your esophagus that stops the acid from coming up. And that flap is triggered by the acid. So when you don't have the right level of acid, that does not get triggered. And so the little bit of acid that is in your stomach, that is still super, super, super um, acidic, even if it's not at the level it should be to properly digest food, it will tear up your esophagus and other parts of your um, digestive tract. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, it is meant to digest protein. And what do you think those parts of your digestive tract are made of? It's protein. So it causes all kinds of issues. It's a very scary thing, but yeah, that's, that's what happens. And, and we've kind of in this country, I believe if it's not the number one prescribed drug, it's in the top two or three um, PPIs or acid reducers, acid blockers. So if someone's experiencing any of these symptoms, their best and safest bet might be to initially, you know, take in some exogenous um, hydrochloric acid or, or oxbile or a combination of the two? Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you can figure it out pretty quickly. Um, if you get, um, you know, a hydrochloric acid, an HCL um, uh, uh, supplement, and if you take that, you can take it with your, with your meals when you eat. So have some food and then take a hydrochloric acid pill. Um, and then if you feel, uh, if you don't feel anything, go ahead and eat a little more food. You can take another hydrochloric acid pill, go ahead and eat your food. You can do that until you feel a burning, um, kind of a, and it, and it shouldn't be a bad burning. It should just be a, a warming sensation, um, kind of in your, in your chest stomach area. If you feel that, then you've hit the threshold. Then you know now you have enough hydrochloric acid. If you take a hydrochloric acid pill when you're eating and you don't feel anything, then you do not have enough hydrochloric acid. You'll know it pretty quickly. Is there any particular brand or, or generic? I mean, is there anything that you recommend specifically? Um, yeah, I, in general, um, as a practitioner and I, and you, Actually, you, you kind of, you need to have a, a practitioner get these for you, but um, you didn't hear it from me, but I'm pretty sure that there are people selling these things like on Amazon and stuff, though they're not supposed to be. So you can probably find them there. But um, the two brands that I definitely recommend and I use with my clients are Standard Process and Biotics. Um, biotics is probably my favorite for most things, including hydrochloric acid. So um, you can just look up Biotics HCL. You can probably just type that into Amazon and you'll find it. Um, and I like both of those companies because of the way that they produce their supplements, um, you know, their quality control and the, uh, they don't have added stuff in there that you don't want. So yeah, I would start with one of those two companies specifically, but you know, realistically most, I mean, there's pretty much, it's pretty basic HCL is, it's not one of those supplements that you have to worry a ton about. I mean, pretty much anywhere that you get it, it's going to be hydrochloric acid and that's it. <laughs> what about the uh, the bile salts? Is there like a, a dosing recommendation there? Like take that with the hydrochloric acid as you eat? Um, actually, I would not take bile, bile, like any kind of ox bile or anything like that with the hydrochloric acid. Um, I would actually wait and take that afterwards. Um, so if you need the hydrochloric acid, um, I would take that while you were eating and then um, take the, like an ox bile supplement afterwards. Um, the thing with 
with taking like a um, like any kind of a bile supplementation, um, I would say ox bile is what you would want to do, but you don't want to use that long term um, unless you do not have a gallbladder. Um, so if you do not have a gallbladder, um, then I would highly recommend that you do take ox bile and you will need to take that the rest of your life. Um, the problem is, is that our without a gallbladder, we are not able to store um, enough bile to secrete quickly enough uh, to to properly digest fat. So um, if you have an ox bile supplement, then you're able to, you know, kind of have enough of that on hand um, when you're eating. So how would that be advantageous for somebody that, that does have a gallbladder? Just kind of figure out what their baseline is, I guess, and, and know what that feels like? Well, um, basically, if you've got any kind of a, of a digestive issue, like if you have, um, if you're having, oh, it can be so complicated because there are some symptoms that kind of cross over like bloating or um, gas or something like that. That could be hydrochloric acid deficiency. It could be a bile deficiency. Um, but in kind of generally speaking, um, typically I see if someone has, um, if they're having a kind of oily stool, um, it's not well formed, um, that is an indication that you are not properly digesting your fat. And so the fat is kind of coming out not well digested in your stool. Um, and so that is kind mm -hmm. of a, that should be an indication that maybe you're having issues or when you eat a fatty uh, meal or if you've gone keto and you're like, oh my gosh, I, my stomach feels upset all the time, um, which is probably, you know, when we say I, my stomach feels upset, most of us are just referring to the fact that uh, your general abdominal area may feel sick or you may have cramping or whatever. It is probably not your actual stomach, <laughs> but more likely your colon. Um, so if you're having issues like that, then that might be an indication to you that you're having problems with that. And the reason that you would potentially want to supplement with something a lot like an ox bile or something like that is just that, um, you can have a, you can just have your bile ducts can just get kind of gunked up. And the bile flow can just get really sluggish sometimes. And, um, and that really is from not being used. So a lot of us coming from the standard American diet where we're told low fat, low fat, low fat, it's kind of a use it, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. Um, mm -hmm. idea is we're not using, you know, our bodies don't need to produce that much bile because we don't have that much fat to digest. So it just kind of, they get kind of sluggish and slow and then they can get gunked up those bile ducts and that's a problem. And so then when we do switch to something like a ketogenic diet, for instance, um, where we're upping our fat pretty significantly, probably over what we were eating before, um, this is where we can run into a problem. And this is the kind of thing that I work with with my clients that are wanting to go keto is, um, you know, I don't think it's great to just wake up one morning and be like, all right, I'm going to add in all the fat. I'm going to be 70, 80% fat in my diet and I'm cutting down all the carbs because it can cause issues like this where you are, your body is just not ready for that. Um, so taking like an ox bile or some type of supplement like that can help kind of get things flowing and kind of get the production going again and get your body used to doing what it's made to do, but it's just kind of been in hibernation. Gotcha. That makes sense. Kind of like get the body acclimated to it with the ox bile. And then once you're adapted for a decent enough time, then you can kind of titrate it out. 
Yes. And it's important, you know, I, I think um, doing the, the ketogenic diet or any diet, any lifestyle that, you know, nutritionally you're trying to follow is just really focusing on the micronutrients, the, you know, the vitamins and minerals that we need, making sure that we're eating real food and that we're really focused on getting, you know, a, a good variety of food. Because once we kind of get these things, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in supplementation as far as um, I think it's great to get a jump start and it's great to help your body out from time to time. But I don't think that we need to feel like we have to be on all these supplements the rest of our lives. Um, now, there are, there are some supplements that that I probably will stay on for the rest of my life. But um, but like things like this that are helping the digestion, you know, the idea is to work yourself toward it being able to do it by itself, where you don't have to keep supplying these different um, supplements, that your body will be able to start making hydrochloric acid and it will be able to um, start uh, having a good bile flow and, and knowing how to digest the fats that you're bringing in. So that's kind of the goal. So this is just like a, you know, you kind of give it what it needs to get going and then you just make sure you're supplying what it needs to keep going in that direction. Yeah, I think there's so much to be said for that because like for me, coming from, you know, the the bro dieting, if it fits your macros, flexible dieting approach, you know, people give all this emphasis towards, you know, macros. If it fits your macros, you're good to go. You know, like they'll right. eat a blueberry muffin if it has the right amount of carbs for what their, their goal is that day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a very, very narrow scope on nutrition. I really like taking it to a much deeper level with like this nutritional therapy and figuring out how the micronutrients affect your your entire digestive tract and performance optimization you know neurological factors everything because it all has an impact and i think you know there's different tiers and levels and depths i guess of nutrition and how things impact the body but keto is a great vehicle to kind of fast track that and let you get insight on what things are happening and why and then it become enjoyable to figure out how to optimize your own body because there's such a disconnect with going that deep. And it's sad, frankly, because people are only scratching the surface on what they're truly capable of. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's just, yeah, just, just getting, getting the, I think at first it starts from education, like being educated, which I think we are uniquely positioned in this keto space right now to be able to educate and help people understand that it isn't just about if it fits your macros. Um, you know, it, we really have to get focused on, you know, I think keto is fantastic. I think there's very few people that it, that it would not be helpful for, and that it is not, um, a great lifestyle for them to be in nutritionally. You know, for me, I, I, and mo for most of my family, it is what we do. It's how we eat. I'm even kind of starting to get, uh, kind of I don't know, uh, not really even wanting to tell people, like I'll have people come up to me and my community and stuff and they'll be like, oh yeah. So, um, you know, I heard, so you are, you're keto. Like I heard your podcast. And, uh, so talk to me about keto. What's that mean? Like, what do you, and I'm even kind of, I mean, I know that that's what I'm, you know, that's my podcast. That's what I, my social media is built around, but it's kind of that way as a door for me to get in, to talk to people about building better nutrition 
overall. Um, so I'm hesitant mm-hmm. to even tell anybody when they ask about, you know, what do you eat or how do you eat? I, I don't generally say, oh, I'm keto. You know, I'm like, well, I just eat real food and this is kind of what my plate looks like. And um, because I, because I, I feel like there is such an emphasis on it has to be these macros. And if you do not eat you know, there's these keto foods, which I don't even know what that means. Like there's just food. <laughs> um, but you know, if, if you mm-hmm. eat this, it's not keto and you're not keto and you have to have this much and don't go over this and don't, you know, it's like, oh my goodness. Like, how about we just eat real food and teach our bodies to prefer to use fat over carbohydrates as a fuel source. We're going to feel better. We're going to be satiated longer. We're going to, this is in my you know, my opinion is that this is how we were made to, to survive in this world. You know, I, I, I don't believe that this, that we're here by happenstance or that we evolved to be what we are. I believe that we were created this way. I think we were created, um, to run on fat for fuel. Um, I think we've just gotten really far away from that. And I think that because we were created that way, there's, you know, there's a million different good reasons why when we eat, a, a more ketogenic way, it serves us so much better. Like our bodies just function the way they're supposed to function. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when I look at my life, I'm always trying to figure out the the most effective and efficient way to to reach the goal, reach the end task. And I look at keto and that lifestyle and that way of eating and the foods that I'm using to comprise that nutritional protocol as just a efficient manner of everything, really human optimization. And even taking it one step further, just the day-to-day activities used in, you know, acquiring that food, you know, hunting, farming. Like I, I look on your Instagram and you're, you know, pitching hay bales to horses and you've got your <laughs> kids out there in the garden with chickens. Like the whole lifestyle surrounding yeah. that is very, very good and healthy on so many levels beyond just nutrition alone. Yeah, I that's um, so important to me to kind of get, especially with uh, my kids to, you know, kids today in general, um, man, I can't tell you how many kids we have out here that, so our farm, um, we actually run an Airbnb out of our, um, where our farm is located. We have a cabin there and it's an Airbnb property, but we are also um, have recently made improvements. We just bought this property this past December. So we have recently made improvements to the actual farm and the barn and the animals that we're putting in there that we are actually going to start having um, classes out here at the farm for kids and really adults because the adults will come along with the kids um, to help kind of teach them mm-hmm. about, you know, here, here are, this is a sheep, here is a goat, here is a cow, here, you know, this is, here's chickens. This is actually where your food comes from. This is where it's supposed to come from. Like it is shocking to me how many people that we have out here and we've already had a couple of these kind of situations out here at the farm where we've had large groups of people. Um, we did a pig roast, uh, recently and I was just shocked at how many people at that pig roast, it was like a hundred people out here and about half of them would not even look at the pig. Like they were so, and listen, I'm an animal lover. I love animals. I mean, I just love them so much, but I also eat them. (laughs) Um, I believe they are here for Mm -hmm. us to eat. It is the optimal nutrition for us. I very much respect those animals that gave their life for us. I want them raised properly, treated properly. And, um, but I was shocked at how many people were just like, oh, that's too real for me. Like, 
I can't look at that. That's, oh my gosh. Like, because the only way that they ever look at meat is wrapped in plastic wrap in, in the meat section at their grocery. And just kind of making that mm-hmm. connection with people, like, this is what a farm looks like. This is how animals should be treated. It takes a lot of work. You do have to take care of them. You have to provide. It's not, you know, these concentrated animal feeding organi- you know, operations, these CAFOs, that these these animals are being fed what they're not supposed to be eating. They're sick. They're being kept alive with drugs, um, much like we are. And because they're not eating what they're meant to eat, they, they can't survive like that. So they have to pump them full of all these different hormones and antibiotics. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff they do to these animals. But I think a big part of where we're going to see a shift with people is getting back to helping them understand that this is the way animals are raised. This is where your food comes from. This is what you should be looking for. It doesn't just show up in the grocery store on the shelves or in, you know, the meat department. Like it comes from, it had to be raised by somebody. You know, they, you, you should care what your animal's eating. You know, you need to know what you are eating ate because that's super important as to how, what that animal is made up of because that's what you're building your cells with. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm really, I'm really glad you say that. I mean, I was raised doing that very thing. Like we've, we've grown up, you know, on, on a ranch. I mean, that's just, I've hunt, I farm. That's just what I've, you know, known to do my whole life. And I don't blame people that are ignorant. I mean, maybe their parents didn't raise them that way. Maybe they were never exposed to it. You know, that's not their fault. I hope that they're open-minded enough to, to look into that lifestyle and educate themselves. But there's, there's also a, a huge party of people that are just almost in denial. I mean, they know it's there, but they just prefer to turn away from it and not accept it for what it is. And and that saddens me because there's nothing wrong about what it is. I mean, there's a circle of life and, you know, everything helps build and it's got a symbiotic nature. So to be able to, you know, become one with that and understand it and appreciate it and respect it for what it is. I mean, that is, that, that is where life is. And I think anybody that turns away from that is diminishing their potential to fully understand and respect and appreciate life. Yeah. I I just got deep. (laughs) No, I love it. I really love it. I totally agree with that. And so, yeah, and I totally agree with what you're saying. I think most people, it's not their fault. They just don't, they just, I feel like our generation really, Robert, and I know I'm older than you, but kind of our, you know, age group or this generation of people, give give or take a a generation or two, we kind of grown up in this, um, in this world where everything that we eat just comes out of a package or is, you know, we, we're, we're not, we're starting, you know, there's, there's definitely a trend to move back the other direction to like actually go to farms and get things or go to farmer's markets and, you know, get real food. We're starting to kind of make our way back there, but, but, you know, our generation, or at least the last one to two generations here, we were not raised like that. We were, most of us were raised that food comes out of a box from a grocery store and that's where it stops. Like we don't, question anything further. We don't, you know, and so I love that it's starting to move back that direction where people are going, wait a minute. <laughs> now we need to get, you know, we need to get back to where this is actually coming from and, and what is actually in this stuff that I'm eating. And so I love that. And, and I really desperately want to be part of that education for people and helping people understand, because everybody, I, I shouldn't say everybody, but most everyone that I know love a farm, loves a farm. They love it. 
they they want to come out they want to see the animals they want to see the crops they want to see you know they it's the some there's something there's something in us that makes us long for that simplicity i think um just kind of that down home back to our roots like we know that's what we were created for was to 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 live life like this and we've gotten so far away from that and you know i mean i'm not saying that i'm going to throw out you know my my mac and not <laughs> not do podcasts anymore cuz i'm yeah, yeah. trying to get back to the you know early 1900s or something but but i think just being able to kind of put that back in our lives and to experience some of that i think um that we are definitely um you know our generation raising kids we are wanting our kids to get back to that like how maybe we remember our grandparents or great grandparents doing things and we're kind of longing for that like my grandma used to can everything you know she would go through all this canning in the fall of all these vegetables and things that we didn't eat and she'd make jam out of the berries in the yard and they had a a, a pig farm they raised pigs and they raised chickens and um you know and they're well into their 80s late 80s and they're doing fantastic i mean they're it's like the, to see mm -hmm. that generation and how much healthier overall they are than like my generation is or my parents generation it's really scary so i think people are seeing that taking notice of that and trying to get back to that so you know doing the whole farming thing is a um, I think definitely, you know, my whole premise of, of a keto lifestyle and it being a lifestyle, um, this is just another step of that for me. Like, yeah, it is a lifestyle. It is about getting back to, you know, I believe we were meant to eat higher fat, lower carb. We would have not had access to carbs like we do now. Um, and, and moderate protein and, and, you know, my stance on the protein thing has, has evolved a little bit here and there, um, through kind of experimenting with myself. I've been keto for about two years and, um, it was real low on the protein for a while. I, I don't know, real low, but definitely moderate. And I've definitely kind of pumped that up a little bit. Um, I feel like I have less, uh, cravings, um, and kind of need less food in general if I keep my protein levels a little bit higher. So I don't know if that's age related for me, if that's related to the amount of time I've been on keto. I also think that you are constantly evolving and your, you know, your diet needs to be constantly evolving. Um, I think what I, what I did last year is not going to be what I, what I did this year or the next year. I think it's always going to be kind of changing and tweaking depending on, you know, what my needs are for my body at the time. So yeah, so it kind of all fits together, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and I really applaud you for the way you're going about it because you're you're figuring out what works best for you, but all the while you're helping educate others on what that looks like and how to tap into that potential, you know, on their own. So, mm -hmm. thank you for that for sure. And I don't know, I'm taking a keen interest in like doing collaborative stuff lately. I'm gonna come up there and stay in your in your Airbnb and, and feed the chickens with you. Crystal thanks the world of you. And I don't know. We need, we need to do that. <laughs> That's awesome. I love her too. And that would be great. I would love to have you guys up here. I'm actually, um, that's the first time I've even mentioned this. I haven't even mentioned it on my own podcast, but I'm actually thinking about starting to do some, uh, kind of keto getaways out here, um, and do like some mm -hmm. weekend. Um, I haven't put it all together yet, but and collaborating with some people like yourself that I would have maybe, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, keto experts out here in different areas <clears throat> of, of 
you know, like, like with you, with kind of um, your exercise and kind of body optimization and that type of thing and crystal on the female side of it, um, kind of doing, having different experts out and doing like a weekend long retreat, so to speak, for people that are interested in getting some good, clear facts about keto, learning how to cook keto, um, having a weekend of keto meals, and and getting to spend some time on the farm, doing some um, nice stress relieving activities, and just kind of kind of the whole thing, like just a nice weekend of really emerging themselves in a keto lifestyle. You know, it's really interesting you say that because I've tr- I've been trying to do the exact same thing. I mean, because we've got you know I'm building a gym at my location here, and then we've also got uh, we have a family farm with a cabin right on the river that's been in my family for four generations. And I'm trying to figure out how to make all of this, you know, work together and, and do like a keto mastermind almost mm-hmm. like where people come out for a week and we just, you know, put our heads together. So you and I need to put our heads together and we need to make this a reality for both of us. Yes, we absolutely do. I would love that. I just keep thinking like one of the things that I get, and I have a lot of people in my community that'll reach out to me, um, moms in general, that'll say, hey, can you do a a class for me and and 10 of my girlfriends um, while the kids are at school? Can you come over? Let's do a class. Teach us about keto. And can you prepare us a keto lunch or something? So I've been kind of getting into doing some of that here and there. And um, one of the things that I love to do is I absolutely love to cook, Um, have always loved to cook. Mm -hmm. And there is no more fun way to cook than keto. I mean, it's like awesome because everything tastes so good. (laughs) So so I love Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. So I thought, man, if I did a weekend retreat out here, I would absolutely love to cook for people. Like if I had time, I'd probably make this cabin a, a, a bed and breakfast anyway. Um, because I would just love to have guests come in and just cook for them. <laughs> but alas, I have five children and a husband and a couple of jobs and, <laughs> and a farm. So that may be no, maybe I, I when I retire. It, I <laughs> well, let, let's let's put our heads together for real because I think I think a lot of our interests are aligned on this one, and I'd be in, interested to bounce some ideas off of you for sure. Yeah, that would be it. Would be great. So yeah, so listeners, stay tuned. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, Jessica, until we get that figured out and manifested, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, Well, I have a website, though it has kind of been in flux for like months. It's going on and it's like the website uh, upgrade that never ends. But for now, um, there is one out there. You can go visit it. There's just not a ton of info on there. But it is uh, jessicatai.com. Um, and I do, uh, there is some information about coaching on there and I do offer a, f- a free 15 minute phone call. So if somebody's interested in coaching and, um, you know, they think they might want to do something like that, I'm happy to send them information. They can send me an email and we can set up a free 15 minute phone call. Cause I like to see before, um, we enter into a coaching relationship that, um, that I am a good fit for them and that really that they're a good fit for me. Um, because, you know, not, not everybody is perfectly aligned. Um, and I, you know, I want it to be a very successful relationship. So I love to do that phone call first and we can kind of figure out if, um, you know, if I can help you with your goals and, and we can do that. So you can send me an email, um, to get more information on that, or if you have any other questions or, or whatnot. And that is Jessica at jessicatai.com. And then I am on Facebook. It's Facebook forward slash Jessica Ty nutrition and Instagram. I am at that keto blonde. Perfect. Perfect. I'll put the, the link to all those in the description so people can easily find you and reach out if, uh, if they'd like. 
Um, but, but Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned a ton about nutritional therapy for sure. I'm, I'm going to Google those, uh, the bile salts, but more so than that, the, the hydrochloric acid. I'm very keen to figure out that for mm-hmm. me. I don't know if I need it or not, but I'd be interested to play around with it. And um, yeah, we'll just have to keep in touch for sure. Because like I said, I'm, I'm keen to find out more about this lifestyle intertwining it all into an experience. I think that would be very advantageous in the community. Yeah, that would be awesome. Jessica, again, until next time, it's been a pleasure and I will talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much, Robert.